So, um, as you all know, uh, Pastor Mike and Jeff and Justin, we all have, I mean, they all have been preaching on a series called One Another. And today is my turn to say something about one another. <laughs> but before we meditate on the scripture today or go to the main portion of our scripture, I'd like to give you, like, just like we sang some songs to warm us up, I'm going to give you some hints so that we will be warm before we receive the word of God. You know, we simply don't come to church just to, you know, as a ritual or a, just because it is a Sunday or your grandfather attended the church service that you started to, you know, attend. That's not the case. We attend the church service. We come to church every Sunday to hear the word of God, not only to hear the word of God, but also to take the word of God with you and apply it in your day-to-day life. That is the whole purpose of attending a church service. So, I wanted to say, to begin with, I want to make a disclaimer here. Christianity is not for faint of heart or faint-hearted people. I would like to say this one more. Christianity is not for faint of heart. And, but it is for those who are simple-minded. The Bible in Psalm 119 verse 130 declares that the entrance of his word gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. So we have to enter into the presence of the Lord with simple mind. You know, that's the reason we see a lot of great mathematicians or scientists. When they do these calculations, they calculate right from the top and then they go all the way. And then they reach to this point and they, they say, henceforth, my, according to my calculation, Jesus is not there or he doesn't exist. And so does the scientists. You know, they take out, go to the lab, do a lot of research. And, you know, they take their little telescope, look into the space and, you know, all these theories and all this. Then they come, you know, and then write all this thesis about, you know, and then they say, according to his, my thesis, Jesus doesn't exist. So what happens is, here in this world, there are more followers following the great mathematicians, and there are more followers following the great scientists. But there are very few followers who follow Christ. That's the reason we see there's, you know, as in the day today, we see there's few Christians that are truly following the Lord, you know, our Christ. So I wanted to make that, you know, understand, so we understand, because we need to follow, we are the followers of Christ. That is what in the in the you know during the uh, time of Christ or little after Christ, they they were called not Christians but they were called the the people of the way. You know we were they were called of the people of the way. But I also want to highlight one more thing is that um, a lot of people, a lot of Christians, they say we love Jesus, we love Jesus, but they have no understanding what a fear of Jesus means. Because this is what it says in Proverbs chapter one verse seven: the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Another place in Proverbs, it says in chapter 9, verse 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So we have to keep this mind always when we enter into the presence of the Lord, we have to enter in with fear. That is why in many places in the scriptures, it says, you know, we have to, you know, keep our salvation with, you know, with fear and trembling, or rather work out our salvation. So these are very important things for us to understand how we enter into the presence of the Lord. So, with that said, shall we go to the Lord for a quick prayer, all right? 
Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity that you have given to each one of us here. Lord, open the portals of heaven and pour out your spirit on this, this people and also those who are watching online, Lord. And enable your servant to release your word no more and no less. These things we ask in Jesus' precious name, Father. Amen. Alright, so, I'm going to be speaking. Um, so that is the title of the, uh, today's sermon. So I'm going to, uh, this is taken from the book of Ephesians. You know, Paul, Apostle Paul wrote 13 letters in the New Testament. And out of the 10, uh, after 13, 10 are actually letters written to individual churches. And three of them were uh, written to individual people. But anyways, so I wanted to touch, uh, go to the chapter 4. And um, we were going to read one particular verse. Uh, Okay, because I'm going to focus only on one verse today, and then I'm going to kind of break it down and uh, help us understand what Paul meant by saying this thing. Okay, first of all, I also want to highlight what the way Paul wrote all these six chapters in the book of Ephesians, or we should say Paul's epistle to the church of Ephesus. You know, uh, anyway, that's that's how we we call it, epistles or the book of um, Ephesians. You know, either way we can do it. In chapter 4, Paul emphasizes the unity of the body and God's plan for its growth and maturity. That's the whole theme of uh, that, that chapter. So, with that said, let's open our Bibles, or you can follow the, the Bible verse on the screen. And I would like us to read it aloud. You know, let's, if you don't mind, if we all can in one unison, well, let's read this. It's only one verse. You know, it won't take you that much of time. So let's read it, all right? I'm going to start. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. So here, Paul wrote in this chapter, verse 25, that we are, you know, we, he ends up with saying, for we are members of one another. So, if we, you know, start by examining this passage, I would like to go to the first, you know, the point here is, he starts this passage by saying, therefore. So, there has to be some kind of understanding here. We need to, let's look what therefore meant. Therefore, actually, the meaning of therefore means, Paul is saying, for this reason, for this reason, we need to put away falsehood. Falsehood, different translations might say lying, you know, those kind of things, you know. And so that's what he, we, we will examine, why he said, therefore. You know, so let's go back to understand this. Let's read, I'm going to read it since, uh, uh, you know, we already read it aloud on 25. So let, I'm going to read by, at beginning, what, 17. And I'm going to read three verses beginning 17. That is, again, from the same chapter. Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. In the futility of their minds, they are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. So that brings to our my, my, uh, the main point, which is, that nature that he's talking about here is called the old self. 
Again, different translations translate it as old life, old nature, old creation, and so on and so forth. It is everything is about old, you know. So it's old man, you know. Sometimes they say even the old man. So this is something that we talk about um, saying the old man. So now I'm going to go back and put the, read this, the same verses that I just read. That is, now this I say, because what I did was I highlighted some of these, because there is no time to speak or you know, go through the, all of these passages, because each of these can take a long time, long, long time, I should say. So, but for our convenience purpose, what I did was I highlighted some of these points. So what I did was I highlighted, must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. Here... In those days, there were only two classes of people, two kinds of people. One was a Jew, the other one was a non-Jew. Gentiles compared to like, you know, in the nation of Israel was a very small piece of land. But the entire rest of the world, they were all you know, said to be Gentiles. They were called as Gentiles because they were not of Jewish nature. So they were non-Jews. So we all fall under the same category. You know, we are all under Gentiles. You know, we, we don't know what the Jewish law is, you know, because they were all, they are people of the law. You know, so anyway, so, so that, 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 having that said, we, I'm going to go to the next slide and then we're going to take the first point here. So having underlined, no longer walk as Gentiles do in the, in the futility of their minds. So here, the first point that I want to highlight is, they are aimless. So they are just, you know, because there is no steady place in their life. There is always wanting. Have you ever seen people of this world always looking for new things, new gadgets, new this, new that? You know, their mind is not, you know, resting. You know, they are always restless. Because they're always in search of some quest of something. You know, they, look, they, they think perhaps if I do this, this makes me happy. Then they leave it halfway and then they go and attack another thing. So they keep on doing the things here. So basically they have no aim. They are aimlessly walking blind, you know, just, you know, and never ending in worldly desires and passions. You know, the, uh, as you can see in today's world we live in, there are so many things that besides the Bible, we can go and pick up anything that you want. It has endless, you know, we can cope and dig, 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 and it'll take you somewhere. I'm sure it takes you nowhere, but that's what people want. You know, that's what aimless, you know. When you, I can give you one example in the Genesis, in the, from the book of you know, Genesis chapter 4, where the first son of the first family, that is Adam and Eve's son, called Cain, the first son, he actually commits a murder. He kills his younger brother, Abel, and it's mentioned in chapter 4, verse 8. They, you know, he has no, he's, and then after that, when God interacts with him in verse 8 and 9, he, you know, where he says, God curses, you know, Cain and says, you will become a vagabond and a, and a wanderer. So, basically, those who have lost, you know, the, you're, you're running with aimless. You're going different directions and still are not able to find the right path for your life. And then, the next point I want to make it is, uh, number two is, blind. So, they are spiritually blinded. You know, their understanding is darkened. You know, why it is so darkened? Because they have no God. You know, there is nobody to direct that person. So, because there is no direction, uh, there is no God in their lives, they can go anywhere they want because they don't know what's good and there is no, they don't know what's bad. They cannot choose between right and the wrong. They're always going you know, after different things. You know, so this is what... Um, it, it, <laughs> 
one of the things that I would like to mention here is, uh, again, well, in going back to the book of Genesis chapter 2, because you know what I'm going to do is, I'm going to be quoting several Bible verses. If you have time to jog it down, you can jog it down and go home and, you know, uh, check it, you know, do meditation or whatever you want to do it. But, uh, if you don't want to write it down, that's fine. Just hear it. You know, hear me out. You know, you know understand what I'm trying to say. Because... I have, you know, limited a lot of time because I have to, I want to convey this message, the difference between a saved person and an unsaved person. Okay, so, so in Genesis chapter 2, verse 25, we see here, Adam and the wife, the last verse of the la- that chapter, second chapter, it says, they both were naked and they saw each other and it says they were not ashamed. See, they were not ashamed. They were, the reason here they were not ashamed is because they were seeing not with their naked eye or the natural eye. They were seeing each other with their spiritual eye. Because if we go back further, one, chapter 1, verse 26 and verse 27, Adam was made in the likeness of God. Actually, it says plural, you know, in the likeness of our, you know, because they, they, they're, you know, that's another uh, topic we can talk about. It talks about the Trinity and all that stuff. But if you go back to Genesis chapter 5, verse 1, here it says Adam was made in the likeness of God. So if Adam is made likeness in the, in the likeness of God, when we go back to verse 23 of Genesis, here Adam calls that woman, you know, he calls this, this is the bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. Hence she shall be called woman. You know, today there is a, so much of cancel culture, there is confusion what the woman is. Here Adam defined what a woman is. He, she is the flesh of, bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh. And, the, and he called Eve as a woman. But anyway, so we see that, and then we go further, six verses into the third chapter, the, and then we're coming to verse seven of the third chapter, we see here, Adam and Eve committed the great sin. You know, because Eve fell for the truth. You know, I, I mean, I don't really have a lot of, uh, you know, I, I, I mean, we can sit here talk all day long about that. But what, what happened is, in verse seven, they eat that fruit, but the, the other part of that, it says is, they were... So they, they plucked some fig leaves, fig leaves, and they sewed them around their waist. So what it is means they took a leaf. Once you pluck a leaf from a tree, it becomes dry. So the man's problem is you have to always keep on plucking these leaves and making, you know, a cover your waist. But what happens is in the next verse, God comes in the cool of the day to talk to them, to inquire about them. Not only that, but... They were hiding from each other, you know, because when Adam saw Eve and he said, you, you know, and then they had to cover because the covering was basically from each other. But we go back to the previous verse, they were naked and were not ashamed. So naturally what happened was they lost their supernatural ability to see each other. And they saw, begin to saw each other in the natural eyes. So then that's how they felt this, all these things. You know, that's why they were hiding from each other. Not only were they hiding from each other, they were hiding from God. So what happens is when we see through the natural eyes, that means we are truly seeing, we cannot see God. We want to hide from God. Unless we receive the spiritual eyes of God, then only we will see. Because that we will, as we, you know, get deeper into the subject here, I'm going to explain you and, you know, talk to you about how all these things work out. So that's what happened. And we go to the third, and then we see, uh, going back here, uh, what's um, um, alienated from the life of God. Uh, that's what it says in verse 18. So, because we were separated from, the, from God, what happens is our nature has become ungodly. Because we don't know where God is. We cannot seek, you know, 
how God is and what because we are completely separated from God. And and when we separate ourselves from God, obviously God is not going to come to us and say, Hey, look, I'm I'm God, I'm God. He's not going to do that. Because it is you know, we have to search for him and you know th- th- that's that opens up another uh area of you know but anyway I'm going to speak I just I'm gonna say it's ungodly. Now what and also next slide, slide number ten, you know, what says it's hardened. It's hardened, you know. So, so here we say, verse 19, they have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. So here we see, what I, because their hearts were hardened, there is no sensitivity because of callousness. That means there is no remorse. When, when Cain killed his younger brother, his sibling, when he killed his brother, he did not feel a thing. Neither did he have anything to ask forgiveness. You know, he said, he's dead. He's dead. I don't care if he dies. Today, the world that we live in, that's exactly what we are. We don't, nobody cares if somebody dies or somebody gets hurt because they are, they're least bothered about their, their problems. Because Cain had a problem. You know, because he, he saw that God was not accepting his sacrifice and he decided to kill his younger brother because his younger brother was you know, being accepted by God. So that's where, the, that's where the greediness, it's the jealousy, it's the greediness that came in, kicked into action and that started the whole thing. The whole thing, like the whole world today, that's what we are. We are filled with greediness. We are filled with jealousies. We are filled with rage. You know, all this stuff add up. But before I go that, and they gave, they gave themselves to lewdness. You know, they gave themselves to lewdness. And they became indecent and performed unclean. What's going on in this world today? Have you ever seen, have you, have you even thought about like what's happening today? This is what is happening today. This is, this is what is happening in the world today. Because their hearts are calloused. If I work out with my hands, with my palm, you know, if somebody does a, you know, like go to a gym or, you know, pick up axe or something, your palm, you know, some of the parts of your palm become callous. They don't feel a thing, you know, because you're so hardened. In the same way here, we, we're talking about the heart itself is going to become hard. And there is no way your heart cannot be, you know, come back to its original state. There is a way it can come back, but not the way you think you can make it come back. Because you don't even think to come back, you know, to make my heart right. So, until, that's another step. So, I want to bring here, um, let's see, I can't see the clock. Anyway, (laughs) the, the, the entire scriptures, you know, they are divided into two books, right? The Old Testament and the New Testament. If you look back into the Old Testament, everything was connected to the flesh. The laws were connected to the flesh. You know, if I want to stand at a signal stop light, and I'm stopping only because, because the, right, the red light, you know, because the light is turned red, and I'm slamming my brakes on the car, that is what I'm obeying the law. But it has, it cannot stop me, my spiritual thinking, I can be sitting there, I can go to Japan and come back. Or I can go to a great restaurant and look at the menu there and then I can come back. But I'm still sitting at the stoplight. That's what the law does. The law does not apply, control your spirit. And we'll come back to that later. But in the, in the Old Testament, we're beginning with chapter 3 of Genesis, right? Then we go to chapter 6 of where Noah kicks in. And then, you know, the flood and, you know, all these things. And then we go to chapter 21 where um, uh, Isaac, uh, yes, Isaac is born. And then 25, Jacob is born. And the 29, the 12 sons of tribes are actually formed in 29 and 30 chapters Genesis. And then we go to Exodus 3 where God... 
wants Moses to testify about him. And then we go, move on from there. We go to uh, uh, chapter 12 of Exodus. There we see the Passover of the Israelites leaving the bondage and slavery, going to the land of free. And then we come to 20 where God meets Moses at the Mount Horeb. He gives the Ten Commandments. And one of the commandments in the Ten Commandments is chapter, commandment number 9 where it says, Do not bear false witnesses. You know, to your neighbor. You know, he's not saying to somebody else. To your neighbor. Here, Paul is writing... Here, when we go back and read this first uh, thing, he says, do not, you know, t- you know uh, lie to, uh, or falsehood, you know. And then he goes on to say, to your neighbor. You know, he, he keeps saying it to your neighbor. Neighbors here in the sense, Paul is writing, since he's writing to the church of Ephesus, he's talking about believers. So that means you and I, if you are in Christ, we are believers. So there should not be any lying. And then if we lie, what happens is we bear false witness. That goes back to the commandment of what God spoke to Moses. Not only that, we go back, way back even before, what happens is when the sin happened, she, who, Eve and Adam, they bore false witness to the commandment of God. They, they believed a lie. Whether you lie or you believe a lie, you are bearing false witness to the commandment of God. So us being Christians, we have to understand. That's why in the, in the beginning I said, it is not for faint of heart. We cannot follow great mathematicians. We cannot follow great scientists. We have to follow only Christ. Christ is the only way. You know, if we can't follow Christ, then you better find something else for your entertainment. You know, because we are to be called people. We are chosen people. We are a chosen, First Peter 2 verse 9 says, we are a chosen generation. We are a people. We are a royal, we belong to a royal priesthood. We, you know, we are a peculiar people. We were called to the, His marvelous, once we were in darkness, but we are now called to, into His marvelous light. That is why when I said first time Psalm 119 verse 130, here the, the entrance of His word gives us the light. And it gives understanding to the simple. So we have to put all together and focus on how we can become a rightful member of his body. So now we go back, you know, we we saw this and then I'm going to change and then I'm trying to go back. And then we now, I just mentioned so many things, right? So as I was saying, the Old Testament that belonged, you know, everything was related to flesh. The Ten Commandments were related to the flesh. The kings and his sons and their sons and the kingdoms all related to flesh and material. But when we come after 39 books of the New uh, Old Testament and then we enter into the first book of New Testament, we see King Jesus arrive on the scene. We King Je- when he comes, right, there is no more about generations. You know, they, after we see these books, all the generations are abruptly ending. You know, there is no, you know, Jesus chooses 12 disciples. None of them is mentioned about their sons or daughters or their wives. Or only Peter's mother-in-law is mentioned. But, you know, the reason he does not mention is because there is no need of family history. If somebody were to ask me, what's your gene- genealogy, I would say me. Holy Spirit, Jesus, and the Father. But if you were to make the Trinity as one, me and my Father, we are just directly linked to each other. Because what happened was, when we asked Christ into our hearts, the Holy Spirit came and started to dwell in us. He has taken up the residence in each one of us. So, how holy we have to be. How, what is the, you know, so anyway, um, that's what happens. And then we come to this, another point that I want to make, 
we come to this thing called the new self. That's the point number three I would like to make. So we just talk about how the holiness, uh, I mean the old self, allows to become aimless, blind, you know, callous, and all these things that occur with being the old person. Now we enter into the new person. How does we, one person, one become a new person, right? When we accept Christ, you know, when we agree that Jesus is Lord, and he immediately, he said, he's going to send, you know, John 14 verse 16 says, I'm not going to leave you alone, I'm going to send you the helper. You know, many translations say that as a helper, as a comforter, as a counselor, and so on and so forth. But not only that, he also mentions in John chapter 14 verse 18 says, I will not leave you as orphans. See, my, my both parents are passed long time ago. The world calls me, I'm an orphan. Because they, that's what I am. Because I don't have my mother or father. But Christ has promised me, I will not leave you as orphans. So none of you need to worry. If you are a child of God, you know, you will be called, the, you have become the child of God himself. So you're no longer the child of the world. Anymore, you don't even if you don't have parents, that's 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 fine. God is the one because all He expects us to believe in Him, to put all our faith and hope in Him. So, having said that, we're going to read again. Go back. One 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 thing that I wanted to talk about here is between um, the writing of the book of Ephesians, Ephesians, and um, the I wanted to just give you a just a side note kind of thing is here we're talking about new self actually. When we go and read the Gospel of John, chapter 3, here Jesus himself described what it means to be a new life, receive a new life. Here it means to receive, to become a born-again believer. So you cannot become a born-again believer, right? That, unless you receive the Spirit of the Lord. Because you have to acknowledge that Jesus is Lord. Jesus said in chapter, Matthew chapter 10, verse 32, said, If you acknowledge me before men, I will acknowledge you before my Father who is in throne. You know, this is in chapter, Luke chapter 12, verse 8. He said, If you acknowledge me before men, I will acknowledge you uh, before the angels. You know, so there are different ways how Jesus was relaying all this stuff. So anyway, um, that after having said that, the writing of the God, John's gospel was written in 180. So that was a 65 year difference from the ascension of Jesus Christ. Okay, that's almost. But when Paul wrote, he wrote the book of Ephesians in 61 AD. So there is it after another 35 years or to 40 years, John's gospel did not come out. So the way John wrote is slightly different than the way Jesus or John, gospel of John is written. Because John's gospel explains us clearly what it means to receive a new life. I mean, here he said, you know, yes, but it doesn't really kind of give us a, a lot of clues here. But when we read the John chapter 3, when Nicodemus appear, uh, approaches our Lord Jesus in the nighttime, and Jesus says, no, no one can inherit the kingdom of God unless they are born again. So that is our key passage. You know, we have to understand what it means to be a born again believer and live on the promises of God. So that's what he's talking about. That, that is what it's called. Um, in what it's, again, it mentions Ephesians chapter 4, verse 24. Here, to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So what are we? We are created in the true likeness of God in all the righteousness and in all holiness. I will tell you one other thing in you know, illustration. When, um, um, uh, when Jesus died, you know, and if you read Matthew, I mean, sorry, Philippians chapter 2, verse 7, here it says, Jesus was made in the likeness of men. He was made in the likeness of men. But when we go back and read the book of Genesis, Adam was made in the likeness of God. 
But what happened is when we come to chapter 3 of Genesis, his likeness of God was shattered. You know, and then Jesus comes here. And then not only that, but the way he became, he died for us. Many times we see in the Bible, many times Jesus is mentioned as the son of God. You know, he's mentioned many times you read the, you know, if you do a search, you get a lot of hits. Son of God, son of God. But when Jesus spoke about himself, he addressed himself as the son of man. He addressed himself as the son of man. There is a big difference between son of God and son of man. We have to understand spiritually because this is very important for us to get the grasp of what he's talking about. Here, what it means is, for example, in Luke chapter 1, when the angel announces Mary that she's going to be with a child and he shall be called the son of God. The angel revered, feared, you know, he said he should be called as the son of God. When the Satan tempts in Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, verse 4 verse 6, and you know, where, when he's on the word temptation there, he says, he, he, he says, sarcastic, he says, if you are the son, of God, the son of God, so that means devil knew he was the son of God. You know, there are so many other places that we can go on and on. Matthew chapter 16, verse 13, here Jesus asked his disciples, who do you say that the son of man is? In verse 16 of the same chapter, Peter answers, you are the son of the living God. So he identifies him as son of living God. So when we understand, to understand this, we need to go back to another passage, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 50. Here, it is declared, Paul declares that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. So that is the reason, what it is, is if Jesus is say who he says as the son of man, he needs to subject himself to death. Because he is in flesh. So the flesh has to die before it goes up. So you and I cannot inherit the kingdom of God because we are in flesh. But our spirit can inherit the kingdom of God. So there is a big difference between you know, the flesh and the spirit. So we need to understand these are you know, very like, you know, spiritually understanding. You know, we have to meditate on the word of God to seek. And we have to see why this, you know, the others called him as the son of God. But Jesus himself called himself as son of man but there are some other instances even though he was son of man he still said he has the power to heal somebody to you know he said on uh, um, Matthew chapter 12 verse 8 he says the son of man has the power you know he is the Lord even on a Sabbath so he's declaring himself even though he's in the flesh he still has the same power so he's son of man but manifest in son of God but manifested in the flesh so we need to understand how we you know the old self belongs to the former uh, we go to slide 15 here um, so what we have come here is to put out the old self which belongs to our former manner of life and corrupt through deceitful desires so I mean I can quote on and on and you know I think you, you everybody will fall asleep here uh, <laughs> but but one of the things I would like to quote is um, Going back to that verse 425, here it says, Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor. So what is truth? If you ask, you know, truth, Jesus explained what, what, what is truth, right? He said in Matthew, uh, John chapter 8, verse 31, he said, If you want to be, you know, um, what, did, what did he say? If you abide in my word, you are my disciple. And if you are my disciple, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So that is what we are today. Every born again believer, everyone who has received free life, we are free 
we are not only are we disciples, but how are we becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ? The Jesus Christ, the truth of himself has set us free from the old self, old nature, old creation. That is why it says, Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, he said, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things have passed and the new things have... Are we living like a new person? Are we living like a new creation? Are we living like a new self? Because we have, there is no room for us to give us any thought to our sinful life. You know, you know when Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, uh, five, I mean 5, verse 28, He said, If we have looked at a woman with a lustful, therefore we have committed adultery. When we go back to Genesis, Eve, all she did was she looked at the wrong tree and she, it looked her to be very pleasant. You know, and that itself started, you know, that she fell that for the tree, but when God himself gave clear instructions, don't look at the tree, you know, look for the tree of life rather than the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So, how it adds up, you know, when Jesus is speaking in the ser- on the Sermon on the Mount, he's explaining here, don't look at anything that is drawing, going to draw you. Because that's not what we are. We are specially chosen people. We are not of this world. Our citizenship is in heaven. That is what Philippians 3.20 talks about. So if our citizenship is in heaven, let us behave like the citizens of heaven. Our calling is from high, higher, not below. Have you ever seen if a man is dead and he's buried again and again? It only gets buried once and then forget about it. We can, nobody ever can see that face again. No family member can see it. We can think about that, but we cannot go back and keep on burying the dead again and again. That's what our old nature was. We have buried, you know, in, in Romans chapter 6, you know, verse 1, it says, What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning that grace abounds? Certainly not. Because remember that we have died with Christ. If we have died with Christ, we are also resurrected with Christ. So therefore, we should not have any thoughts that are to earthly thoughts. You know, like I said, all these challenges, you know, the laws, everything that ended with Jesus coming into the picture. When Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, 17, I did not come to destroy the law and the prophets, but I have come here to fulfill the law of prophets. Therefore, the entire Old Testament was fulfilled in Christ. He, everything, every prophet talked about it. Every uh, uh, um, leader, you know, like Moses, Abraham, you know, they were, they, all these people, you know, they, they, uh, that was the law, actually. Moses himself was the law, you know, it was given to him. But anyway, everything got filled, and then from that point, there is no history of generations. Like I said, we are the generation. That is, those whoever has, have been called, they are the new generation. So, our generation is only one step from the living God. So if you and God, if you think the Holy Spirit, you Holy Spirit, Jesus. So that's what we need to look ourselves, see ourselves. If we start, every Christian in this world starts to see himself in this manner or herself, we would have great church. Our church will be so strong. So we need that kind of principles, you know, that kind of passion for us. You know, Christ did not just come here to die you know, just to do the things, and you know, you know, in order for Christ to come into this world, did you imagine that His plan, he, he was designed before the foundation of this earth was laid down. If you read Revelation chapter 13, verse 8, He says, Christ had to die before anything was existed. So do you and I, if you go back to Ephesians chapter 4, I mean 1 verse 4, God knew, foreknew, he says. God foreknew each one of us before the foundations of this earth was laid down. So what kind of manner we are to live? Can we live sinning and say, you sin, I sin, we all sin. Oh yeah, God's grace is great. No, that's not what you never see anywhere. 
Even when Jesus healed a couple people, he said, go and sin no more, he said. No, he didn't say, go and sin sometimes, you know, I'm here to forgive you. That's not what he said. We have to live in such a manner, we have to strive on not sinning. That's the key goal, you know. Yes, we do sin, but if a fighter aircraft pilot, if he's going, if he's off by one degree, it doesn't show up right away. But when he flies, that one degree can expand. It can become like a major fatal error. It can crash his plane. Or it cannot strike the enemy's target. You know, that one degree, you know, you might all think, oh, you know what, God doesn't mind if I do this little thing once in a while. You know, I have forgiveness, you know, I have grace, you know, I'm his child. That's not what we need to see ourselves as. We need to see ourselves as the son of the most high God. And we are dwelling, you know, the, you know, the third person of the Trinity dwells in us. You know, he has taken up a residence in us. He is the spirit of promise. That's why in the first, you know, Acts 1 verse 4, Jesus told his disciples, wait for the spirit of promise until I send it. Don't leave anywhere out of Jerusalem. So anyway, that's, the, that, that's one. Um, so, we, we, you know, we wanted, I wanted to cover that. And now we come to the last point. Because, I, don't know, I can't, like I said. Um, so the last point is point number four. Therefore, have, I'm going to read the verse again. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. For He ends up by saying, for we are members of one another. Here he defines what it means to be a member of one another. Because the reason why we are members, he did, Paul never writes, or you will not see in the Bible, we have been made members of one another. He's saying, he's, he's, he's saying in the future stick, he's saying, we are already members of one another. There is nothing for you to become. You know, we don't need to be a member of a certain church to become a member of one another. We are directly connected. You know why we are connected? The day we got saved, we have been inducted into the heaven. We are the citizens of heaven. Our life belongs in heaven. Our thoughts should be in heaven for heaven. Our thoughts about Jesus Christ should be heaven. You know, one of the things that Jesus Christ said is John, John chapter 14, verse 7. He said, if you know me, you have seen the Father. You know the Father. You know, he's talking about because... And then he says, now we have known him and also have seen him. He's, you know, the way the word of God is described in the scriptures, it just comes to life. Because if the more you, time you spend with the present, in the presence of the Holy Spirit, he will come to you. He will talk to you. He will be with you. And you will see his presence and you will feel his presence. Because this is not a natural thing. It is a supernatural thing. The supernatural God is in us. He was in the beginning. He was in the creation. During the creation, when this creation was made, the Spirit was with him. That is why I said earlier, in our image, there were three that were present. Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. They are also called in Hebrew as Elohim. Elohim was there. And if the same God that was there during the crucifixion of Jesus Christ and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, today He is within us, living within us, and He is living for us. He is living for us to direct us to the right throne, to the right place. Don't harden your heart. If your heart, you know... In Jeremiah 23, 29, he says, Is my word like a rock, uh, a hammer to you? Is my word like a stone to you? Because he, he, his word is like a hammer. Because it can break the calloused heart. Give your heart to Jesus Christ. And he can break it for you. Because not only that, you know, in Jeremiah 32, 27, he says, He's the God of all flesh. Not just one flesh. Of all the entire flesh. In, Genesis, in John chapter 17, verse 2, it says, All authority have been given to Jesus Christ. So today, if you don't want to seek Him, 
you know, then you'll become those, like the first, the old self will remain in your life. You cannot get it on your own. You need a third person. You know, that is the third person that is the Spirit of God to come into your life. And he cannot just come into your life unless Jesus allows him to come into our life. Because he's the one, according to John chapter 16 verse 15, he's the one who relays what Jesus spoke on the earth. And he, all Holy Spirit is doing is revealing it to us and he enabling us to understand what the Word of God speaks. And you know, this is so powerful, my friends, I'm telling you, because I wish I had like a three hours, you know, but that would be... So, <laughs> but anyway, um, so that is why we have become the members of one another. And have you, I'm, I'm, before closing, I want to tell you one thing. Have you ever heard or seen any baby coming out of mother's womb with just the body? And then later on, the hands and the body parts come and join the baby. You will never see that happen. You know why that doesn't happen? God is not a God just giving half. He's a God of, you know, perfection. He brings the baby out with fully formed baby. So when we become the members, we don't become, you are the hand, you are the leg, so we let's all join together. That is not what spiritual meaning is. We are all one in Him. Because we are, before the foundation of this earth was, Lord, everybody's name was written in the Lamb's book of life. So, we, you know, today that's what we know. Because we know so much about God, yet we continue to sin the way we want to sin. That is not accepted for Christ. Because, like I said, even the earthly, like I'm, you know, sometimes I manage certain people. I cannot expect him to come late every day. That's out of my way. There is this reason why work starts at 9 o'clock, 9 a.m. You, if you show up every day at 10 a.m. and give me all these excuses... As a, you know, as a supervisor, I, I feel odd. Why is this guy up always having excuses? Your job, our job, should be please the living God. So that is what, and in conclusion, because I'm already past time, um, I want to say one thing. Slide number 18 uh, is, I want to close this with this verse. Whatever you do, in word or deed, do it all in the name of Jesus. Giving thanks to the Father through Him. This is mentioned in the book of Colossians, chapter 3, verse 17. Because we are not normal people. We don't have unstable mind. You know, in 2 Timothy 1, verse 7, Paul writes, For God did not give us the spirit of fear, but He gave us the spirit of power of love, a spirit of love and spirit of power. And the last thing he says is sound mind. Satan cannot attack his power and his love. But he can attack the sound mind. That's what happened at Eve. You know, because at the cross Satan saw the power of God. At the resurrection Satan saw the power of love. Today, we all have those three qualities. But we give up our mind to the things of this world. Examine yourself. Second Corinthians 13.5 says, Test yourself to see that you are in faith or not. We have to examine ourselves. First Corinthians 9 verse 27, Paul used to beat himself, self-discipline, to see whether if having tells, speaking to all the other people, what if I lost myself in this race? So we have to be very careful. We are not here for normal purposes because we are not the same people that we were before. We do not have that old nature.
we are not the old creation. Therefore, if we are in Christ, we are a new creation. The new living. May our Lord bless you richly. And let me close with a word of prayer. I know there are many among you here today. Perhaps it is the first time you are listening to this word. Perhaps this is your first walk. You want to align yourself with the word of God. Or perhaps you have been backsliding in your living. Or perhaps other things that have been bothering you. You have been carried out. Now is the time to come clean. Tell God. Tell the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said, if you have known me, you have known the Father. Pray this prayer with me. Heavenly Father. Oh, mighty God. Marvelous are your works. This morning time, we stand before you. Lord, helpless sometimes. Aimless sometimes. Blind sometimes. Filled with callousness in our minds and hearts. Father, we thank you for speaking to us through your word. Your word is so active and alive, Heavenly Father. Only those who have experienced the living word can witness to you. Today, enable whoever is here today at the voice of my word. Let them surrender their hearts, Lord Jesus. Let them give up their lives, the worldly passions, the worldly riches. As they surrender to you, Lord, open their hearts. Send out your Holy Spirit upon these people. As I said earlier in the beginning, Lord, open the portals of heaven. Pour out your Holy Spirit upon these people. Father, we ask you all these things in the precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.